My name is John. I have the privilege of serving as one of our one of the pastors for our young church family. Um, normally, at this point, I would get up and I would preach, but this morning I have the privilege of actually introducing the person who will be um, preaching for us. But before I do that, I just want to say um, the Taylor girls might be gone already because they were here for the first worship gathering. Yeah, they bounced, they bounced. But Jenny's still here. Um, Jenny, thank you. Where'd you go? There you are. Hi, Jenny. Thanks for serving us in that way. Again, faithfully, I really appreciate that. And uh, we said this publicly in the first hour too, but really appreciate the Taylor girls serving us in that way too, setting an example for us. And um, one thing I was thinking about this hour when they got up was, remember Paul's letter to Timothy, who was actually a young, he was a young pastor, probably younger than most of the people in his church. And Paul's encouragement to him was, hey, don't let, don't let anybody despise you for your youth. You're younger than they are. Um, but set an example for them. Set an, show them what it looks like uh, to follow Jesus. And that's what the Taylor girls did for us uh, this morning. They set an example for us in their youth. And that's a really life-giving thing for us. And so the one thing I do want to say, if you're sitting out there and you are their age, um, or you see what Jenny's doing, and you are her age, and you're like, man, I wish that I could be involved like that in our family. Um, you can be. You can be. We have lots of opportunities. We have other passages that we're going to learn. We need people to open our worship gatherings and welcome people every week. Um, so if that is of interest to you, if you look at what Jenny's doing, you're like, I want to do that, you can. We want you to serve in that way too. So please just, please just let me know and we'll help you be involved in that way, okay? All right. So this morning, Stephen's going to preach for us. And um, all I want to say about this really is I just, you know, we, uh, preaching is really important to the life of a family. It's where we gather as, a, as God's family and we rehearse our gospel identity. This is a really vital thing in the life of our church. It's not the only thing, but it's a vital thing. And so we're not haphazard in who we allow to stand up here and preach. We care very much that um, that man's character is, that there are evidences um, that his heart is being shaped by the gospel. And we feel that Julie, his wife, speaks with integrity that uh, who he is in public is who he is in private. And, um, and we, I especially, have gotten to know Stephen in that way. And we see that gospel consistency in his life. What we're not saying, we're not saying he's perfect, um, but we're saying he's loved by Jesus. He loves Jesus. Yeah, and you'll speak to that in a little bit. Um, and he's growing in the gospel. So there's humility evidence there. Uh, there's increasing uh, self-denial for the good of others, for God's glory, like these things, evidences of the gospel at work. And so we enthusiastically welcome Stephen. Um, you may not recognize him. He and his wife, though, have been members of our church family for probably longer than most of you have been here. Um, but he serves as a chaplain, and so for a long season, his responsibility has kind of pulled him out of our community and into another um, to serve people here on this island. But things have shifted a little bit, and now we're graced again with having you guys back. I, and I mean that sincerely, graced with having you guys back. We love you, and uh, we're thankful. You guys are a life-giving family for our family. So um, why don't you come on up, Stephen? Um, I'll pray for you. And Stephen's a brother to me. Uh, I call him, I text him, uh, I need a brother to speak into my life, and, and you regularly and faithfully serve me uh, in that way, with grace, but also with truth. I mean, you, you tell me what I need to hear, like a brother should, so I appreciate that. Um, and we saw this in the first guy, there's a whole bunch of new faces in the first hour. They're just here for you. 
<laughs> and there are some new faces here today, and they're here for you, and we, I won't see them again. And I don't take, we don't take that personally. Um, but, but honestly, it's just further uh, kind of testimony to what I just said. Like, you're here because all the things I just said about Stephen, like you've seen those things to be true too. And so that just gives kind of credence or validity to, uh, to what we're saying. So let me pray for you, and you can, you can do some work. Father, I thank you for my brother, Stephen. Uh, he, is a, he is a faithful friend and a, a faithful brother to me, and, and so I thank you for that. I thank you for Julie. Um, she's the real hero. She's um, home again today behind the scenes caring for uh, some kids that just aren't feeling well. And so we pray that you would encourage her heart um, and show her grace, um, especially as she's home, uh, home parenting alone. Uh, but we love her and we're thankful for her and, and her part in the life of our family as well. Father, we pray that we'd look to Jesus well now. Give us humility to receive your word. Uh, For those of us who are weary and just heavy laden and beat down from a difficult week or prolonged season, I pray that you'd give us rest in the gospel. Help us to look to Jesus as not only our example, he is, um, but also our rest, our rescuing king and um, the one who has come to give us peace and rescue. And so we, uh, we pray that we'd look to him in that way. Please give Stephen clarity and just great Um, confidence as he steps in to uh, lead us to look to you. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Bring it in, man. Appreciate you. Thanks. I told told everybody this morning after um, John introduced me, I was like, no, we got to just bring it down a notch because you guys might have these expectations that, I don't know, you're going to hear a good word this morning or something. And I don't want you to be disappointed. So um, no, I I do sincerely appreciate it. And Julie and I go here. for initially just for John and Linnea because we were huge fans. Uh, we drank the, the Ransom Kool-Aid. Uh, so <laughs> we met each other at you know, all the, the cool chaplain parties that go on that you guys don't know about. Um, there's some really cool chaplain parties that we were hanging out at. And I found out he was a church planter and that this was the third uh, pillar church that he had planted. And we're like, I like that. He's got a beard. He rides a motorcycle. I want more of that in my life. Um, but like you said, the, the chaplain thing, you know, we, we have to serve and fill in the gaps of different chapels from time to time. But when we get to come here to Pillar, it is such a joy. Um, and if you guys don't know what you have here, I'll just tell you, um, you have an awesome pastor. You have an awesome group of pastors and elders here at this church that are doing it right. And like, I, I, I'm not an authority on the subject, but I just, I've been to a couple of churches, um, been doing the thing, and I, I see a lot of different versions of expressions of the local church. And Pillar just, they open the Bible and they're like, okay, let's just, let's just do that. Seems like a good idea. Um, and we see that here and we love it. We love it. It's so refreshing. So if you're looking for a church family, uh, this is a great one. Um, if you, plus they have coffee. Uh, so there's that. I think donuts sometimes. We don't want you to, you know, eat too much donuts. But it's a great church. If you're, if you're thinking about being a member here, um, look on the website. They have the Next Steps class and it, it's, it's too easy. So just want to say that, um, all that stuff, back at you, man. Love you. Love the beard. Love your motorcycle. We're going to be sweating it out on the course next week, uh, doing the Okinawa Marathon. Um, I'll be watching John from afar um, as he keeps a much better pace than me. But it's good to have some competition out there. It's good. I'll just be uh, eating my soba while I run. I heard they have soba on the course while you run. You can eat soba. So that's why I'm doing it. So it's going to be awesome. So like it was already said a couple of times, we're uh, continuing this series on the glory of God. And uh, to think about preaching a message about the glory of God uh, makes me feel a little bit like, like a toddler up here. 
Um, look, I've barely learned English. I don't know what half the words mean that I'm saying, and I'm just kind of put it together. Uh, so talking about the glory of God, I just, I feel very inadequate to do that. So uh, we're going to just trust that God's going to speak to you uh, through his word, and we'll just rely on that. Does that sound good? Uh, I love the analogy. If you guys missed last week, John used a great analogy. He said, if you have uh, one of those beautiful Okinawa sunsets, and one of my, uh, my wife and I's favorite date night spots is a sushi place on the seawall, and just you're sitting right there at the table eating your sushi and watching the sunset. It's like amazing. But every time we try to take a picture, it always falls short. And that was a great analogy that while we're called to reflect the glory of God, we are just, you know, we're like the iPhone 6. You know, we don't have that megapixel rate that the new, the, what is it, the X now? I, just, I can't afford that. But we're going to either way, we're going we're gonna to inadequately reflect the glory of God. And even that sunset doesn't do the, the true glory of God justice. It's a reflection. And so like we said today, is going to talk about how do we, if we know our why, is to worship God and, and enjoy him forever. Um, how do we do that? How do we reflect God in community? And this, this message is so important for the local church to get right. Um, and I'm going to talk about just a, a little bit of that. So 1 Corinthians 10 is going to be home base for us. And while you're getting there, I'm going to sneak in uh, a couple verses from my favorite chapter in the Bible, John 17, where Jesus is doing that, uh, that prayer in the garden. He's going to be arrested later that night, crucified the next day. And he's just pouring out his heart um, in prayer to the Father. And this is what he says uh, in John 17. He says, the glory that you have given me, I give to them, that they may be one, even as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved me, even as you loved me. So what Jesus is saying there is, God, the glory that you've given me, uh, this opportunity you've given me to be the last sacrifice for sin, the atonement, the payment for all sin, past, present, future, and to be able to share in that glory with, with all of us, that, that's what I want, is what Jesus is praying. That's what I want, is that that glory that you've shared with me, Lord, I want to share that with them so that they can experience this community that is a supernatural community, where the expression of love in that community is beyond this world. And what it's going to do is it's going to be a way that the world is going to know that this is from God. A way that the world is going to know the love of God is by the way you guys interact and how we interact with each other. So how are we doing at that, right? When you meet people in your, in your workplace and they find out that you're one of those, those Christians, you know, when people come into my office and check in with me because I'm the battalion chaplain, and so they have to come in and get my initials so they can move on to other things that they care a little bit more about. And they come and I'm like, hey, so when did you get saved? When did you get baptized? You going to church anywhere this weekend? Want to come? Want to come to church with me? And I try to make it, you know, just a little bit awkward because it's fun. Uh, so they come and I ask, you know, where, where do you go to church? And I can't tell you how many times I hear some version of the story of how once upon a time uh, they, were, they were in a church. Once upon a time, they used to be religious. Once upon a time, they used to know this guy who was a Christian or maybe it was a family member. And now they're completely jaded and turned off to the things of God. Uh, and that's the excuse that they hang their rebellion on. Like we talk about here at Pillar, you know, we are all rescued rebels. We're all in need of God's grace. You take one step outside of grace and you got nothing. So I understand that, but the excuse that they're hanging it on is us. Churches are full of hypocrites and a bunch of judgmental people and, you know, always, you know, God hates this and God hates that. We don't do that and we don't smoke or chew a girl with girls to do, you know, that whole thing. So we're so, we're so known for what we stand against 
um, what Jesus is saying is like, the glory that you've given me, God, I want to share that with them so that the world knows that this crazy love that we have is, is out of this world. And that's how we reflect God's glory in community. Easy to say that. Super hard to do it. So we're going to talk about that today. We're going to try to answer three questions from 1 Corinthians 10. Uh, we're going to look at verses 23 um, through chapter 11, verse 1. Uh, so we've got a, a pretty good chunk of scripture to get through. But if you're taking notes, if you're a note guy or gal, I want to give you a, a simple outline. It's alliterated, so it all starts with the same letter. That's how you know it's inspired. Uh, so the, the first question that we want to answer is, when we're talking about what we should do in community, we're going to answer the question, can I? So can I do it? Um, that's, that's our capability. So that's our first C word, capability. And we're going to go from capability to should I do it is conscience. We're talking about how your conscience interplays with that, that liberty. Should I do it? So can I do it? That's capability. Should I do it? That's conscience. And then how do I do it? Once I get, once I get traction, how do I do it? And that's clarity. We're going to talk about how we need clarity once we decide, hey, I can do it. You know, that's my capability. I should do it. That's conscience. So how do I do it? That's clarity. It's going to be good. All right, let's pray one more time, and then we'll dig in here uh, to the text in 1 Corinthians 10. Lord, I, I just thank you again for this opportunity to, to open Scripture, um, just the fact that we can do that, um, that we can open it on our phones or with whatever translation of the Bible we brought and whatever binding we chose. Um, Lord, it's, we're so spoiled. We're so stinking spoiled. We enjoyed coffee and water and padded chairs and air conditioning, electricity and running water. And Lord, if we just stop for two seconds, uh, we're overwhelmed with the blessings that we have. So the greatest blessing that we have is the opportunity to experience the glory of your word, experience the glory of fellowship, and Lord, may this all be uh, to you and to your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys ready? All right, all right. So 1 Corinthians 10, verse 23. This text I thought John gave to me just to like mess with me uh, because the, the basis of this text is like, hey, you know, Apostle Paul, we're this new church. You know, what do we do about the meat sacrifice to idols? Like, is that cool to eat that still? So I was thinking, well, application. Uh, today, I'll just tell them like, if you're in the market and you see that meat and it's sacrificed to an idol, just, you know, keep walking. Just don't eat that meat. Okay, guys? We're going to crush it this week. We got this. Like, just don't eat the meat sacrificed to the idols. Okay? <laughs> We'd be good. We're, like, crushing it, winning at Christianity. Uh, but we're going to try to bring it into uh, the common, common age and see if we can bring some principles forward from that. But first, let's look at the text. So verse 23, he says, All things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. Eat whatever is sold in the market without raising any question on the ground of conscience. For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. If one of the unbelievers invites you to dinner and you are disposed to go, eat whatever is set before you without raising any question on the ground of conscience. But if someone says to you, this has been offered in sacrifice, then do not eat it for the sake of the one who informed you, and for the sake of conscience. I do not mean your conscience, but his. For why should my liberty be determined by someone else's conscience? If I partake with thankfulness, why am I denounced because of that for which I give thanks? So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Give no offense to Jews or Greeks or to the church of God. Just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage, but that of many, that they may be saved. Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Awesome. Awesome. 
So back in Acts, Paul is traveling to Corinth. And he goes to Corinth and he spends about 18 months there. In Acts chapter 18, you read about that. It's pretty intense ministry as he's planting these churches in Corinth. So he's laboring among them. He's teaching. He's discipling. And a a lot of the the people in Corinth were coming out of uh, a polytheistic kind of religious worldview. So there's many gods, and it was common practice for them to take an animal, sacrifice that animal to whatever deity, and then they would eat that meat in uh, some kind of social gathering. So that's, that's the very practical question that Christians 2,000 years ago were asking, like, hey, uh, so we're Christians now, but that meat is on discount because it was sacrificed to this idol. Is that cool if we still eat that? So Paul is just trying to, you know, practically 2,000 years ago, answer a question about is it okay? Can I do that? Do I have the capability to still eat that? And throughout the book of Acts, in this correspondence to these churches that he's been a part of planting, that's really what he's doing. And it's very practical. If you want a book on practical Christian living, uh, Corinthians is a great place to get that. He talks about um, sexual purity. He talks about marriage. He talks about church ministry and structure. Uh, he talks about uh, lawsuits. You know, what do you do if you're wronged by a Christian uh, and you, you decide to take them to the, to the law or do you just kind of sweep it under the rug? What do you do with that? And now he's even talking about diet and exercise. Uh, so very practical advice for these, uh, these new Christians. Ultimately, Paul is making the case here that there's going to be things that as a Christian you can do. All things are lawful, right? There's going to be things you can do, but then he takes that into conscience. Should you do it? And then ultimately, how do you focus and have clarity? And that's the, how, that's the how-to that we're going to get to. So that's his main theme here. So the specific thing, again, the meat sacrificed to idols is something that uh, we don't do as much of in the Western world. We just, we don't see that too often. The polytheistic um, animal sacrifice thing, I don't know anybody personally um, that's still getting down with that. So to imagine somebody inviting me over to dinner and then saying, these baby back ribs, they were sacrificed to an idol. I, I just haven't had that yet. Uh, maybe some of you could, uh, we could have dinner and you could enlighten me. Um, but I, I sense that that probably hasn't happened to you either. But like I said, back in chapter eight, when this conversation began specifically with the meat issue, um, he's saying, hey, in regards to that question that you had about that, guys, look, we have knowledge as Christians. We know that there is one God. There's one God. These, these would-be gods, these little G gods, they're nothing. You know, the idol, it's nothing. It's something made with hands out of material elements. It's a paperweight. We know that that's nothing. Look, just get you some New York strip, put a little honey barbecue on it, and you enjoy that steak, right? So that's what he's trying to say is, you know, don't, don't worry about it. We have that knowledge. But he's saying there's going to be a time, you know, where, where maybe uh, there's a new Christian there and he doesn't necessarily have the knowledge. He's just come out of this, this uh, polytheistic worldview of multiple gods. And now he sees Joe Christian walking up and getting that rack of lamb. And he's thinking, oh, so I can just add Jesus to this other thing that I'm doing and it'll be fine. And he's saying, if that's the case, make sure that what you do as a liberty, you know, you know you can do that thing. Make sure that what you're doing as a liberty doesn't become something that caused somebody else to sin. We'll talk about why that is so important, why he makes such a big deal out of that. Um, so my, my modern example for you, something that to us is, you know, seemingly innocuous and even like good. Um, I think of yoga, right? Yoga. Anybody in their late 30s trying yoga for the first time? <laughs> so... I didn't, so I, I kind of swore off yoga when people talk about yoga. I'm like, that's witchcraft. That's the devil's stretching. So I was like, no, we, we don't do yoga. It's bad. Um, but then Tony Horton, P90X, he does yoga X 
for men. <laughs> he still wears yoga pants, which I'm going to write him about. But uh, <laughs> yoga, is, it's stretching, right? But if you research it a little bit, it ha- is steeply reduced in uh, Hinduism and Buddhism. And it has to do with self-denial and enlightenment and the whole transcendental, like trying to attach to the higher power and higher consciousness. And if you get that, uh, then you, you get out of the, the reincarnation loop. And so it's, there's definitely a religious component to, uh, to that side of yoga. So an example might be, you know, if, if somebody invites you to go do yoga, because you're like, hey, man, I'm going to increase my mobility and my sciatic is really, ugh, and I want to go and stretch. I'm like, cool, bro. Like, I'm going to grab my yoga pants and I'll meet you at the gym. And we're going to get our stretch on. It's going to be awesome, right? But if we go to the temple down the street to do that, and he's like, oh, it's so cool that Christians are cool with this too. And, we, and you can, you know, what do you think about this part of it? That's when I'm going to take my yoga pants and go and then just hang out with my wife in my stretchy pants. Uh, but that's kind of what like, I could think of a modern example. Like yoga, you know, it's, it, you're stretching. Um, there's actually some awesome like Christian spins on yoga, uh, like prayer meditation yoga, where you're meditating on scripture and you're praying through the painful uh, stretches, which helps a lot. I can do all things through Christ. It strengthens me. Um, good stuff. Good stuff. So we know that yoga is just, it's stretching. We're not going to talk anymore about yoga uh, um, until later when it comes up again. This is... <laughs> It's fun to talk about yoga pants in church. But that's not what this sermon is about. It's about the decision that you make to do a thing. Um, you pick the thing. You fill in the blank. It's a decision of, how, you know, how do I decide whether or not I can do it, should I do it, and then how do I do it if I decide to do it? So first we'll talk about a Christian's capability. Answering the question, can I? Capability. So Julie has read this awesome book. Julie reads the books, my wife, and then she tells me about the books, and then I take credit for it. Um, so today we're in church, so I want to be honest. She read the book, uh, and I can recommend it based on her recommendation. It's a book called Gray Matters, and he's talking about this idea of Christian liberty. Have you guys heard the term Christian liberty? What the heck does that mean? Uh, Christian liberty is referring to this idea that there's a lot of things in, in the Christian life that you can do you know, there's nothing explicitly in Scripture that says, thou shalt not. You know, some things think cigars or, you know, drinking a glass of wine. You know, there's the don't get drunk, your body's the temple. Uh, but there's a lot of, like, principle at work. Like, can I listen to Eminem and DMX? Or is that like a, no, don't do that. Um, so there's these kind of gray matters that, that we need to discuss. And how do, we, how do we operate in that gray zone? So that's what, that's what we're going to get into today. So I hope that's an exciting topic for you. Because for me, I know there's, there's all kinds of things. I'm like, I want to get in. I want to do that thing. But is it OK? Like, can I do that? And then should I do that? Um, so for me, this is a, a very exciting topic, especially as it relates to doing it together. All right, so let's get into the verse 23 again. Uh, he says, all things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. So he's given a, a little bit of a caveat. So when he's saying all things are lawful, that's that, uh, that's that I can do it. I have that capability. Christ has fulfilled the law, right? The 630 plus laws that we get from the Old Testament, um, that place in your one-year Bible reading plan where some of you might be there right about now, you're getting into Leviticus and the Numbers, and then, oh, the second giving of the law, Deuteronomy, let's talk about that again. There's a lot of laws and and ceremony and and religious stuff um, that the people were called to do. And in the New Testament, we discover that Christ has fulfilled the purpose of the law was just to teach us that we can't do the law. So Jesus does it perfectly and then becomes that sinless sacrifice for us. So now we are saved by grace through faith, not by the works of the law, right? 
It's a gift from God, not of works. So we can't boast. We can't show up to heaven and be like, pay up. (laughs) I want a mansion. I want a gold driveway. Like, no, it's all grace. And we get that. So he's saying all things are lawful, but not everything is awesome. Unlike the song. Some of you wanted to sing it. I want to sing it, but we'll move on. So after determining uh, my capability, my can I, if it's not blatantly illegal, unethical, immoral, I probably can. Um, But now we're going to talk about what's really important here is asking, should I? Conscience. The conscience is an amazing thing. Um, It's that little, that still small voice. And for the Christian, absolutely, the Holy Spirit will speak to you through what we call the conscience, that that little, you know, the, the good and the bad on either side of you telling you whether or not um, you should participate in that activity. Uh, the conscience is huge. You know, when I was on, on ship and I was um, starting to walk with the Lord really as an adult, uh, for the first time getting really serious about my faith and just anything goes, God, whatever you want. If you want me to, you know, shave a circle in, the head of, in, my, in my head and, and become a monk and live in a monastery and never have a day of fun ever, I would do that for you, Lord. So I was, you know, listening to my music, and I would, I would start to pray as I would listen to my music. And God, how do you feel about this? It's got a good beat, right? Like, it's, it's, it's pretty good, right? You know, and DMX has those prayers in his albums, like, you know, it's set to a good beat. So like, DMX is cool, right, Lord? And so I would just kind of pray through it, and my conscience would just nudge me a little bit, like, you should probably throw that one overboard. Uh, so it helped that I was doing this on the side of the ship on a deployment uh, when I was a young man. It was awesome. Um, so I was just doing the Frisbee thing as I would, as I would search my conscience. Caveat. Lest you think I'm like, oh, just let your conscience be your guide. Because some people say some crazy stuff about their conscience. Like, I feel like God is just calling me to like, you know, leave my spouse because he wants me to be happy. And we're just like, it's toxic, right? So we're just not happy. So I'm just going to go and like, marry this person because they make me feel so alive. And like, I think they're a Christian, so we're just going to go to church together. And so God wants me to be happy. And my conscience, I just feel so good about that. I'm like, hey, do some yoga on your face. Your conscience, if it's the Holy Spirit, is always going to mirror the word of God, right? The written word of God, the Holy Spirit is going to reflect. That's what his job is. He's the comforter. He's the teacher. He's the guide. Jesus says he's going to remind you about all this, so if you're thinking, well, I just feel like, in my heart, I feel like um, I should probably, you know, go out to the club tonight and just let loose, let my hair down. If you have hair, uh, <laughs> your conscience is going to mirror, if it's the Holy Spirit, it's going to mirror the Word of God, okay? So when I talk about conscience, that's, that's what I mean, um, is the, the Holy Spirit through your conscience, letting you know you can, but should you? And we're going to talk about how, how we determine that. Okay. So verse 24 says, let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. So Paul's building this case that, um, again, just because you can, and you know, maybe your conscience is okay with it, you don't have a problem with the meat. You know, you know it's just, an idol is nothing, it's just meat, no problem. But now I gotta take into account my brother's conscience also. Because remember, this is so that the world may know that the kind of love that we have, the way we defer to one another for the sake of building each other up, the way that we do that is supernatural. It goes beyond my own selfish ambition. Um, and now I'm thinking about how is how's it going to affect you? Like, are you, are you cool with this? Are you okay with this? And now I'm thinking about other people, not just myself. That's a very different paradigm. So our freedoms that we have become tempered by the love that we have for each other. The freedom that we have is now tempered by or, you know, controlled by the love that I have for others. So think about it like this. Any parents, kids in here? Is you getting a full night of sleep 
Mom and dad, is that a sin? I don't think so. I think you can do that. My conscience feels good about that. But guess what? In my house, ain't nobody getting a whole night of sleep, right? We, we let that liberty go for the sake of our wonderful toddlers. I was telling people this morning, I woke up early today, tried to get a head start and just, you know, get some time in prayer and the word. I got my coffee going super early. And uh, my, my three-year-old comes down like, hi, dad. I'm like, buddy. And you try to play it cool, like, it's still nighttime, buddy. Go back to bed. And he's like, mm, no, I'm good. I'm good. But it's five in the morning. I'm good, dad. I just, I just wanted to be down here with you. Can I watch a movie? Can I have a snack? I'm hungry. Can I have some cereal? Nope. So you just, you know, set your... Set your expectations aside, your freedom, your liberty aside, and just embrace the discussion about Pokemon at five in the morning <laughs> or whatever. So the point is that we're, we're, we're taking that opportunity to consider how our actions are going to directly impact not just ourselves now, but the people around us. So that's, uh, that's verse 24. Let's look at t- verse 25. Eat whatever is sold in the meat market without raising any question on the ground of conscience. For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. So this is what he's talking about. You know, you're going to go and you're going to experience different things and you, you're not under the law. You have grace. You're, you're saved by grace. Walk in that liberty. Enjoy what God's provided. You get that cigar, man. You enjoy that, that good tobacco. You go for it. But if you know that's going to offend that person who maybe their grandfather had emphysema um, and smoked for their whole lives, and so they're looking at you like, how can a Christian justify a disgusting habit like that? Like, Roger that. No problem. Just put that cigar aside. No problem. That's what he's saying here. Um, if, if you can take it and you can be happy and you can enjoy it, that's awesome. So again, I'm trying to think about a modern day equivalent to that. Because again, we, the meat thing, uh, that was 2,000 years ago, a very relevant thing to them. So for us, I think about uh, this, this culture of like grass-fed, organic, free-range, gluten, whatever, um, meat. So like Paul's saying, don't even ask, bro. Just get you some chipotle honey barbecue sauce and enjoy those ribs and just get it all over your face. It's good. It's fine. We know that it's just, it's just meat. But if you're with that guy, if you're with that girl, they're like, don't you know that that chicken suffered in a cage for its whole life in a cage so you could have your chicken nugget for 50 cents? Enjoy. Like, oh. Thanks, thanks a lot. Um, now I know, now my conscience, or your conscience at least, is offended. That's kind of that's what we're looking at. If, if I know, you know, the, I think the Starbucks had the big thing with the, the fair trade coffee beans. I'm like, la, la, la. I didn't, I didn't want to know. I'll be honest. Like, maybe that's just me, me being ignorant. Ignorance is bliss. But he's saying, like, just go and get you your Starbucks and just enjoy the coffee. But if you know that it's been gained by unethical business practice, then can you really still enjoy it. That's what he's saying. Your conscience now needs to be a factor in your decision. You can, but should you? You can, but should you? I'm thinking about not just me now, but also other people. So it goes on in verse 27. So that's kind of like if I'm dealing with a Christian and they kind of have that, you guys know who you are. Like, I'm not hating on the vegans, um, but we kind of had an epiphany this morning. Like, what if the vegans forego their liberty for the sake of the meat eaters in the room and they're like, I know that it would probably be a blessing to you if I just tore up these ribs with you. So I'm going to get down, like, pass me the barbecue sauce. Let's do it. Some of you guys are like, I want to say amen, but I can't because she's sitting right next to me. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh. All right, verse 27. 
So now we're talking about if, you know, what if I'm hanging out with my unbelieving friends? If one of the unbelievers invites you to dinner and you are disposed to go, eat whatever is set before you with raising, without raising any question on the ground of conscience. You know, so when, you, when your buddy's like, hey, man, let's go get some coffee. They'll be like, well, is it fair trade coffee? Um, you don't need to just enjoy the coffee. Say thank you. Verse 28, but if someone says to you, this actually has been sacrificed, offered in, uh, in sacrifice, then don't eat it for the sake of the one who informed you and for the sake of conscience, not your conscience, but his. For why should my liberty be determined by someone else's conscience? If I partake with thankfulness, why am I denounced because of that for which I give thanks? So again, just this emphasis on if, if I'm there with them and I know what offends them, the loving thing for me to do, the gracious thing for me to do is just to pass. I'm good. But if it's just you and the good Lord, that's what he talks about in Romans 14. Let your liberties be between you and God. If he said, hey man, you, you break open your Bible and you get that glass of wine and a cigar and let's just worship together. And with that kind of mindset, almost anything can be an act of worship. If it's not illegal and ethical and moral, you can do these things and you can enjoy them with an attitude of thanksgiving. But what he's saying here in this chapter is don't just be that guy that's like, well, I'm going to do me. Like, sorry if it offends you, bro. I'm going to do me. Don't judge me. Like, ugh, that's one of my most hated statements. So please don't ever say, I'm just going to do me. I think it's just I've been in a lot of marriage counseling appointments and, you know, like either the husband or wife is just like body language is all shut off. And like, I'm just doing me because he's just, you know, over there on Instagram doing him. So I'm just going to do me. I'm like, that's just the most selfish thing that a human being can say. I'm just going to do me. We are created for community. We live and exist in community, and you'll actually die if you don't have that. So it's not just you. Whether you say it or not, your actions absolutely affect those around you. So if my, if my goal is God's glory, and the way that in community we reflect that is by loving and deferring to one another and considering how they are impacted by my actions, that's a very different paradigm that we're called to operate in. So if it's past the, the can I, uh, the illegal and ethical and moral, if it's past the conscience test, then just go for it and say thank you. So he makes that distinction between believers and unbelievers, right? There's kind of that difference. Like hanging out with you guys, um, you know, Christians are so funny. I'm, I'm Southern Baptist, like don't judge me, it just, it happened. Uh, so I'm Southern Baptist, and so we're the ones that like we don't drink until we know that you do, then we're like, let me break out the good stuff. So it's like... <laughs> As Christians, we kind of like are, are sniffing each other out, but not because we don't want to be, you know, unliked or not popular. Like we don't want, we want you to, we want you to think we're better than we actually are. It's really genuine. It should be motivated by, I don't want my liberty to, to cause you to stumble. You know, maybe you are struggling with alcohol. Maybe you have quit smoking recently. So I don't be like, yeah, come over, bro. In my Bible study, we smoke cigars every night. Woo. Like I want to kind of know where you stand before I just throw that out there. Do you get that? But that's just the, the main thing is the mindset is that I'm thinking through that lens of, of love. Is I'm thinking, how is, how is what I'm doing, big or small, going to affect you and ultimately going to lead you uh, closer to Christ? That's, that's the point. I love, I love the way that Paul uh, is like, look, guys, I don't claim to know anything among you except Christ and him crucified. You know, in the beginning of 1 Corinthians, he's like, you guys are crazy. There's all this division and all these factions, and I'm of Paul, and I'm of Apollos, and I was baptized by this guy and this guy, and it's exactly what we see in the local church, right? Like, what is the church known for? 
a loving, gracious community of people that they're going to accept you as you are. And there they're going to encourage you to grow in your walk with the Lord and a process of loving sanctification and gospel community. Is that what you guys hear from your, your unchurched or non-churched friends? Mostly it's the exact opposite. Like, church? Like, I don't want to be judged today. No, thank you. Not today. What if the church was known for this kind of place where people are uh, loved and they're accepted where they're at because that's where Jesus loves them and accepts them? And they don't stay there. We encourage them and we exhort them and we walk with them in growth from there. But man, when somebody's right there in the beginning of their walk and they're still eating that meat sacrifice to idols or whatever it is, don't you know, have your highfalutin, like, you know, your extra big study Bible with you like, well, pfft. I'm just going to be going to church while you listen to your DMX over there. I'm going to do me. Like, that's what we do as Christians. We just like to judge other people because it makes us feel like we've arrived somewhere. Where have you arrived? Like, you take one step out of grace and like, okay, see how that works out for you. We are saved by grace. And that's it. We're not loved anymore, accepted anymore as, as sons and daughters because we perform a tap dance for the Lord. He's so not impressed. The way that we glorify God is by reflecting his glory. It's not our glory, right? It's a very different way of thinking about how my conduct can affect people. I'll tell you a true story. So there I was. Uh, I was on the back end of this mute when I was like, all right, Lord, let's do this crazy thing. I I kept my hair. I had hair. It's gone anyways now. The Lord took it home. So, But he, he gave me dividends in other areas of my body that just, you know, what is the verse? No man has given up father, mother, sons, and daughters, but in this life and the next. Anyways, the bald guys feel me. We get hair hundredfold in other places that you didn't even ask. So that's a blessing. But I digress. So there I was at church uh, with Julie on the back end of my deployment. This is where I met her was uh, in church. And this church was like church. This church was like uh, independent, fundamental, soul winning, hellfire breathing, Baptist church. Like part of that culture is also like King James fundamentalist. Like the King James translation of the Bible is what they feel convicted is the translation of the Bible. And that was new to me. I grew up like the denomination, I didn't even know it was a denomination that I grew up in, it was called Grace Brethren. Doesn't that just sound nice? Like, Grace Brethren, like, it's cool, man. You want to do that? It's cool. Like, God loves you, bro. It's cool. So I got into this very, like, disciplined church environment. And for a young Marine, like, it was great. And I I loved it. And God used that time in that church. I was there for two years as a member. Used that time phenomenally in my life. But the King James thing, I, I couldn't really get down with. But I didn't, I didn't like strain at that. I didn't like get choked up on that. Yes, they had different things. They wore the khakis and the, the shirts and the hair combs and they talked like they're in the 50s. But their love for the Lord was contagious and they had a, a great heart for evangelism and gospel vision. And so I, I love that. So what I'm saying is you can go into a church culture where maybe it's not your favorite, but that shouldn't matter because you ought to be able to go in there and just worship with these people because Jesus is front and center, Right? So I could go back to this independent, fundamental, soulfire, hellfire, Baptist church, and I could worship God with them tomorrow. And they would have some different views and different preferences and different convictions. That's okay. Because in heaven, we're all going to figure out where we had some, you know, some shortfalls in our practice and our doctrine. 
The point is that we ought to be able to get into that and think about them more than we're thinking about ourselves. So that's our, that's our conscience is how is this affecting other people? And like I said, with that attitude, anything can be worship. So clarity. We have our can I, um, that's our capability. We have should I, that's our conscience. And now we have how do, I, how do I do this thing? Clarity. This is the main thing. This is like the mic drop part of this passage is in verse 31. And this is that crescendo where he says, so whether you eat or you drink, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Whatever you're doing, do all to the glory of God. And this is that principle that, that Paul is communicating that answers so much of those gray areas. If you just, whether it's meat or yoga or anything in between, whatever it is, if you have that goal, your goal is his glory. That becomes your clear focus. And everything that you do is brought into that side alignment, side picture. And that's what I'm shooting for. All of a sudden, that thing that I'm like, oh, I don't know, should I do that? Should I do that? Is it going to glorify God? A lot of times that just cuts right to the chase. Is it going to glorify God? That's the question of clarity that we ought to be getting to. Am I bringing glory to God with whatever I'm doing? And like I said, you sit there and, and just as you're doing something, whatever it is, whether you're with people or by yourself, whatever that thing is that you're doing, invite God into that. God, how do you feel about this? You having a good time, Lord? Holy Spirit, what's up? You digging this? Really quick it becomes obvious if God is being glorified in what you're doing. And again, if my goal is his glory, that's my clarity. That's how I move forward with that decision is nope. Or absolutely, yes, do it more, right? I was uh, thinking, bless you, bless you. It's a good thing I was here, got you. (laughs) Riding down the street in my car is a spiritual battle because I'm not a car driver, I'm a motorcycle driver. And right now my bike is in pieces in some guy's garage. And he's like, I don't know if you're ever going to see that thing again. It's a sad, sad season in my life. But I truly hate seatbelts. Like, I'll just be confession. My name is Steven. I hate wearing my seatbelt. But I know it's the law. <sighs> also, I have these kids. I'm trying to, like, stay alive, not die. I'm trying to do less of that. Uh, I, I should wear my seatbelt. I know this. So driving down the road, I'm like, nobody cares. Nobody's watching. And then I get that conscience. <sighs> All right. And it's not, so now I, I wear my seatbelt as often as I can. If I leave here without my seatbelt, don't judge me. Don't judge me. But what I try to do is I wear it to the glory of God. And when I do that, then I'm not afraid like, oh, it's the fuzz, babe, quick, put on your seatbelt, like turn up the music, act like we're dancing so I can reach back and grab my seatbelt and like try to, hey, click it or ticket, buddy, what's up? It's, it's not that anymore. It's truly like God is with me in this car. The Holy Spirit speaking to my conscience. You know to do the right thing. If you don't do it, I love that definition in James. If you know to do good and you don't do it, you're sinning. And in Romans 14, the definition is anything not of faith is sin. So if I know God is glorified by my obedience, whether somebody's watching or not, whether the fuzz is right around the corner or not, I should do it for God's glory. So me and my seatbelt for God's glory. Not all the things are that seemingly mundane. There's some bigger issues that I struggle with um, that I won't share uh, in mixed company. That's more from my accountability group. But the seatbelt thing, something, there's nothing too small that you can't do for the glory of God, is what I'm saying. Amen? That's the, that's the clarity that we're looking for here. All right. So Paul's going to kind of start to wrap this up. We're going to try to follow suit. In verse 32, he says, so here's the deal. Give no offense to Jews or to Greeks or to the church of God. Just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage, but that 
of many, that they may be saved, that they may be saved. So guys, the scary, scary truth is that so many people are turned off to the things of God because of our witness, because of how they see us live our lives in community, how they see us bicker and gossip about each other and talk about the church down the street. They're just turned off. Like, why do I want to invite that drama? If you flip that around, like, what if they could see the way that we supernaturally love each other? Like, bro, why are you hanging out with them? Why are you doing that? Why are you helping those people out this weekend? Hey, man, God helped me a, a lot more than that. And that's what I'm trying to do is just kind of pay it forward with the love of Christ. That's different. That's a different kind of language. That's a different kind of motive, even kind of attractive to the world. That's a, that, that's a very different way of thinking. Paul would get crazy. Paul would get crazy. Um, dude stayed single. I was not feeling it. I was like 26 when I got married, barely made it. Barely made it. I was going to lose my mind. I didn't have that in my purview at all. I was looking for a wife since I hit puberty. Um, so it took a long time. Yeah, it took a long time. But Julie was well worth the wait. I think I, I'm six years older than her. I think it just took me a longer time to mature. Um, but Paul did some crazy things. He stayed single. He said, I'm not going to take any money for this. All the ministry that he was doing, uh, he was willing to be homeless, uh, willing to work uh, just so that there would be no hindrance to what he was doing. Crazy stuff that these guys would give up just to make sure that the gospel was propped up, not them, that the gospel was propped up, that Jesus was the hero of everything that they did because their goal was his glory. Timothy, my boy Timothy, young Timothy, right? We referenced him a little bit. So young Timothy's coming up in the Lord, super excited to go through the Lord. And Paul's like, hey man, uh, I know your dad's Greek. So there's this thing called circumcision. We'll talk about it. And uh, you're gonna have to do that because we're gonna go minister to these Jewish people and they're actually gonna be offended. Don't ask me how they would know, uh, but they're gonna be offended <laughs> by that. So we're gonna have to you know, do something with that. And Timothy was like, Roger this. Um, I don't know how the conversation went. We don't get those like uh, commentaries, but he did it. And he got circumcised and he went for it. Like we, we can't even get some dudes to like miss an hour of football or whatever their program is on a Sunday morning to come to church. Like we're not asking you to come and be circumcised. Like New Testament, woo, like circumcision of the heart and you're good. Praise God. Right? Like we're not asking that much. But these guys were willing to get crazy for the gospel, willing to get crazy for the gospel. So a quick point here. Um, when he says, you know, we're not giving any offense to Jews or Greeks or church, we're trying to please everyone in everything we do, we're not saying, like, well, Christians need to be, like, these pushover, like, you know, happy-go-lucky people pleasers. That's not why, because normally those people who are people pleasers, that, that kind of negative connotation is more like, I want you to like me. Like, I'm going to try to do whatever you think, whatever I think you want me to be and do, I'm going to try to be that so that you'll like me and you'll be my friend. And then we can go do yoga together. You know, like, that's, that's not what we're talking about here. He's saying the whole point is so that they can be saved. That's the whole point. If I need to, like, go do yoga with you so that you'll come to church with me, Done. His whole motive in becoming all things to all men uh, was not so that people would like him. People did not like him a lot of times. The whole point was that he could have an opportunity to make Jesus the hero, to push Jesus out there. His goal was God's glory. And that's how he did it, becoming all things to all men. Awesome. Last verse we're going to look at today is uh, chapter 11, verse 1. Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. So Paul's able to say, 
guys, just follow me because I'm following Jesus. Like, if you just do what I do, like, you'll be kind of on the right track because I'm following Jesus. And what did Jesus do? When he walked this earth, you would see him eating with some very unlikelies, right? The people that are the prostitutes, the sinners, the people who are like falling out of the bar drunk. They're, you know, the ones that, oh, they're clearly sinners. Like, not like me, <laughs> not like me. But he would go and hang out with them, and then he would go the next day and hang out with the social elite and the religious leaders and the, you know, do the whole, you know, formally politically, politically correct thing. Like, how did Jesus do that? How did he do that without uh, betraying his integrity or without being a hypocrite? The way that he did that was that his intent was always just to mirror the Father. And then he said that all the time. It's like, I'm just here to say what the Father told me to say. I'm here to do what the Father told me to do because I'm here to reflect his glory. It's not about me. I can hang out with these guys. I can hang out with these guys. I can go to whichever church. I can go to whichever thing and do it because I'm just a vessel. I'm just here to shine the glory of God back. That's it. That's it. And again, with that attitude, you are a living testimony uh, to the glory of God. And that's what, that's what Paul was all about. So kind of a, by way of conclusion, um, give me about five minutes by way of conclusion. Look at chapter 9 in 1 Corinthians. We've been in uh, the last part of chapter 10. Before he goes into this kind of crescendo of like, hey, look, man, we've been talking about these different social things and uh, the meat thing. Do everything that you do for the glory of God, okay? But right before he got into that, he says uh, in verse 26 and verse 27 of chapter 9, he says, so I don't run aimlessly. I don't run aimlessly. I do not box as one just beating the air, but I discipline my body and I keep it under control lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. So what in the world is he saying there? So John's running the marathon next week. He's like, hey man, if we're not gonna do church, I'm gonna get some. I'm gonna put in my miles. I think that's awesome. So I'm also doing the marathon. I'm just kind of aimlessly running the marathon. I'll be there um, because I heard they have soba and I'm just like the noodles on my face while I'm running just sounds like a good time. And so I'm gonna do that. But I'm not thinking I'm gonna win anything. So my training is different, like my expectations are different. I'm just gonna show up and I'm just gonna be there. Hey, oh, you have some Gatorade, oh, some soba, sure. Uh, and I'm just gonna enjoy it. And if I don't die, uh, that's gonna be a win. That's gonna be great. Um, there's other people that are running, like really running, and they're gonna be you know, up there somewhere. Uh, but this is what Paul is kind of, that imagery that Paul is saying, like, Look, man, I'm not here to run aimlessly. And the Christian race is not just for you to get a participation badge. Like, when you get to heaven, it's not like, hey, you did the marathon, good job. You know, it's, did you run with everything you had every day, 24-7, because there is a great commission and a great commandment. You know, go make disciples. People who are fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ is what we are all called to do as Christians. That's not for the pastors. That's not for the preachers. That is for Christians. Like training day one, I want you to give it all. Training day two, give some more and keep giving. We don't run this thing aimlessly. Why? Because the souls of men are at stake. That's what he's talking about is that the world may know the love of God is how we run this race together. Are we doing it with some clarity of our goal is God's glory and I better put in everything I have because I'm not guaranteed another day. I'm in this thing to win, not just to box with some shadow boxing for life. Like, I'm actually gonna get in and get dirty. And so that's my final point for you is like, guess what? You're not gonna be awesome at that every day. 
Some of you in here are crushing it. Other of you guys, like, good job just being here, for real. Like, you got out of bed and you're here, like, thank you. You're not gonna do it perfectly every time. I go back to that iPhone picture analogy. Guys, we are imperfect vessels. I love in, in Psalm, David says, like, the Lord considers that we are dust. He knows. He made you. My expectations for my one-year-old, like, I don't expect him to be potty trained. Like, he, he'll fall in. Like, he can't even sit on the toilet yet. God has that, that realistic expectation. He knows that you are dust. He knows that you will imperfectly represent him. And praise God, that's why there's grace. And his grace is sufficient. So what I'm saying is, go hard, get in, don't run aimlessly. This is a race for the souls of men. And the way that we love each other in community is gonna either point people to God or it's gonna point them away. There's no way to just participate. You're either gonna be for him or against him. That's a hard thing. But thank God there's grace. So get out there and do it and trust God and see what happens. Make your goal his glory in everything that you do. Amen? All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this word. Is, uh, man, it's, it's so challenging. We think about all of the things that we do without care or thought, and we just kind of sometimes we're aimlessly walking through this life uh, without, without really considering how our actions that we think are not a big deal um, are actually not pointing to you. And in not pointing to you, they're pointing away from you. And sometimes, Lord, we, uh, God forgive us, we, we do tend to be a bad witness for you and we draw people away from you. Um, Lord, may we just repent of that this morning. May we consider the conscience uh, that we have, the gift of the Holy Spirit that's speaking to us through the word. And Lord, may we also consider the conscience of our brothers and sisters and how we can edify and build up and encourage them. And Lord, how everything we do might be brought into that clear focus of glorifying you. God, give us the grace. Give us the ability to do that. In Jesus' name and for his glory, we pray. Amen. Thank you.